Hello! Welcome to the Back to Life podcast. I am your host, Sherry Overstreet. I am actually the writer and the producer and all of the things of this thing. And, you know, maybe in the future we'll have some more people helping out. I do have my son that helps me a lot with technology because I seem to be illiterate when it comes to some of these things. And big shout out to him, Jace, Libby, you are the best. And anyway, I wanted to talk about a few things before we dive into this second episode. If you are watching me, and I know probably a lot of people are listening, so I'll describe this best that I can. I have a couple of guests behind me. So if you're watching, you can probably see them. <laughs> they're really, they're actually not people, they're wigs. And I have gone through this past couple of weeks with a journey of figuring that out and what that looks like for me. I didn't think that I would actually get a wig. And so I wanna talk a little bit about that experience for myself. And maybe, you know, if you have gone through this, if you have had alopecia or you've lost your hair for some other reason, then maybe you could relate to this. I lost my hair due to chemotherapy. I did 12 rounds of chemo and I think I was like six, six or seven rounds in, I still hadn't really lost my hair. And um, I was like, well, maybe I won't lose it. So this is pretty exciting. However, right around that time, it was clumping and it was coming out and it felt very strange. And I didn't like the way that it felt on my head. And so I went through this process of letting go of my hair and, you know, I've, I really have understood that there are a lot of attachments. There are a lot of things that we become attached to, a lot of things that I have become attached to. And I think that I had read, I think, I believe, I believe it was Wayne Dyer that, that gave up all of his things. He had said, you know, I'm done, I'm done with all of these attachments. And he sold everything in his office and his house, sold the house, gave stuff away. He had, he had an assistant help him get rid of all these things because he wanted to let go of things and things that were attached to. Now, I guess some people would say that hair is not a thing. I do believe it is a thing that, um, that it is, it is, you know, it is part of us. However, losing it doesn't mean the end of the world. It doesn't mean, you know, you're, you're dead. And I think that a lot of people, you know, at least at least the people that I've come run into around hair and hair loss around cancer is one of the first things that happens there is there could be a reaction to the loss of hair and that actually becomes more important than the loss of life and so to me that is a very big attachment to let go of is that the hair it doesn't matter it's going to grow back Maybe, sometimes it doesn't. Um, in my case, it's growing back. So, and again, if you're listening, I have very, very short hair. I look like an army guy, <laughs> maybe an army girl, I don't know. Um, anyway, so I decided that, you know, I was, I decided to get, decided to go through this process of finding a wig, getting a wig. What is a wig about? How does this work? I have no clue. Again, this past eight months, I've learned a lot of things that I had no clue about. <laughs> so they say, they say, I've read that, you know, 
let go of what you think you know because again you're you're and again the more you learn the more the more you don't know <laughs> something like that i don't know i read a lot of books anyway so i decided that i would go through this thing with the hair uh, around letting it go and the attachment to it and i wrote a letter to my hair and it was a really beautiful experience because I, I realized that I had put my hair through a lot. <laughs> like, I mean, obviously putting it through chemo is a big deal. And then, you know, we could talk about what I put it through in the 80s. Holy moly. Talk about lots of spray, hairspray and crimping and stuff like that. So it's had a battle. It's had perms. It's had highlights and waves and all of these things. So anyway, I have some you know the wigs behind me one of them is the, the long one is named sarah and the shorter one it's like a bob length cut that one is named carly and they are pretty fantastic and i didn't realize how fantastic it would be and so i will be wearing those on the podcast here and there you know mixing this up a little bit i i love I think the thing that I love about this is that it's this creative side of me coming out where I could actually just wear, you know, however I feel that day, I could wear the shorter one or the longer one or whatever. I just think it's pretty fascinating to to have this experience. So anyway, I had, I wrote the letter to hair, letting go of my hair, the old stuff. And, and really it's actually letting go of an old story about hair and that how much it matters and it really at the end of the day doesn't matter compared to your life and at least to me and so I just wonder what it would what it is for everyone out there you know I just remember like not wanting to go places sometimes because my hair didn't look right and I didn't and, and really it's not even about the hair not looking right it's about the feeling inside how you feel inside about yourself and your confidence and I, I would admit to you that lately, lately I was feeling very insecure. Anyway, I was feeling very insecure about this shaved head thing going on, this G.I. Jane look. And um, really it comes down to feeling and how I feel inside about myself. And I just wasn't feeling that great. And the last couple of weeks have been a little bit rough with, you know, having to make some decisions that are very difficult. And at least for me, I feel like they're difficult. And anyway, um, you'll hear more about those things. I, I am an open book at this point. Anyway, so letting go of the hair, writing the letter was very powerful for me. And I went into having a head shaving party and I had friends there, a small amount of friends. And it was just a really good experience. I felt happy about it. I didn't have a lot of sadness around it. Uh, when I wrote the letter, there was a little bit of emotions around letting go. And I'm just realizing that letting go is really key to a lot of things and surrendering and not fighting it. You know, like the fact is, is I was losing my hair and I could fight it and resist it. And, and I just chose not to do that. I went in to talk to a woman. Her name is Audrey and she's amazing. And she's in Fort Collins. If you ever go to Fort Collins, go to the wig place and go see Audrey. <laughs> she's awesome. 
And she is partnered with an organization called Hope Lives. And Hope Lives is a nonprofit that helps people with breast cancer or breast cancer survivors. And, and they actually supported me in getting one of the wigs, uh, one, of the, one of the wigs. I ended up buying two because I had support with one of them, which was really amazing and helpful. So I went to her and she was talking about how there was somebody that she was working with and she works a lot with people that are losing their hair whatever the circumstance could be hormones it could be you know alopecia could be chemo whatever it is she was working with someone who just did not want to let go of their hair and they were it was really getting really bad it was you know uh clumpy and rough and it was coming out in, in clumps and all of those things and the this this lady was just having a really hard time letting go of it. And she goes, I just really don't want to let go of it. I don't want to let go of it. And so I think that there's some fear around that. Like, if you let go of it, what does that mean? And I think for me, it was like, well, if I let go of it, then I have to identify myself as a cancer patient or somebody that has cancer. And that's not really necessarily true because lots of people are shaving their heads you know, women power, feminine power, let's shave it all off, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. So there could be all kinds of reasons and I could make up a story of when I see somebody that has a shaved head. I did notice that I was wearing scarves on my head and now I've just become to this point where I don't I don't even do that anymore because my hair's growing back and I don't know, I, I just, I love the freedom of not having the hair as, as well. And I just noticed that with the scarves, you you know, that that people make up a story about that. Like, I think one of the big ones for me was being asked, oh, what is that called? Is that a Saudi or, you know, like a wrap? Like, like it's some, like, because it's a, from a foreign country or something like that, or it's a, it's a religion or something to that effect. And I thought that was really fascinating. And quite a story to make up because that is not even close <laughs> to why I was wearing a scarf. So I just think that we just have to be, you know, like, I mean, I, it's just taught me to be aware of like, what am I making up about somebody that has a shaved head? Like, I don't know if they've had cancer or whatever it is. And I don't want to make a, an assumption. And so it's just really important to ask people questions and talk to them and see where they're at before making up stories. So anyway, I kind of got off on a tangent, which I tend to do. And anyway, that's the hair thing. And I am excited to wear these wigs. I've already worn the long one. I haven't really sported the short one so much. And it's like not that short. It's like a bob short, if you're listening. And um, the I would say that the longer one is actually more like my old hair than I even realized. The color is a little different. The both of them are pretty dark as, I mean, they're darker than I normally would wear. It was, for me, I was going a little bit lighter with the long hair before chemo, before I shaved it all off. I was going a little bit lighter with it and it was probably making me more pale. <laughs> more pale looking since I was tanking and didn't know it. Anyway, so they're behind me and I thought that I would wear the Rose Apothecary t-shirt and because I am a huge fan of Schitt's Creek <laughs> and my sisters were kind of joking around with me about like well now you could be Mora and Mora and have all these wigs and 
all of that stuff. So I think that's pretty cool. Anyway, I want to dive into, you know, more of the story here. Um, we, you know, where I left off last time was the hospitalization and the experience of hearing a diagnosis and being sick and not really knowing what was going on, being in a fog. And I want to continue with this. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not scripting these because I just want them to be very organic. And, you know, we talk like a lot of podcasts have writers and I'm writing this through myself. How do you say (laughs) I didn't write it out. Like I'm just talking. Right. And, um, anyway, I'm, I'm going to just talk this through and, and whatever comes out is organic. And so I, so the second part of this is that I had an amazing, amazing um, experience with this, with, with what happened. And I would say that I am incredibly grateful for all of this. You know, I, I, I think that it's really important to be grateful for the things that you didn't want to have happen also. And that's not something I don't think I would have said before and, until now because, man, it makes a huge difference when you have that attitude it's, it's more like, again, and I think I mentioned this before, it's, this is happening for me. And, I, and instead of why me, why is this happening to me? It's happening for me and it's happening for you. It's happening for somebody I connect with or whatever, because it, it is making a difference in other people's lives, how I choose to live this. And one of the things that I realized, not realized, one of the things that happened was I got up one day off the couch and I was feeling very sick got up off the couch went to the restroom that's probably about five feet from the couch and I just had this feeling or this knowing of how you handle this will make all the difference in the world and gosh I'm getting emotional even talking about this because it's so true it made it it's made such a difference to me and my family and everybody that I've been around so grateful for that voice which I would call the spirit the voice of God which I'm going to talk a lot about more here shortly and um man whoo I didn't know that was going to happen so um anyway Amazing, uh, just an amazing uh, words to come in, into me, inside of me and come out. And I'm like, that is, I could really resonate with that. And, it's, and I believed it 100%. And so anyway, I want to go back to the couch thing. I was on the couch for a while and um, not able to breathe on my own. I had oxygen, had an oxygen tank and the tube thing through my nose and it it sucked like you know I don't like to use that word a lot and it sucked I did not like it (laughs) did not like it Sam I am and I think that what was happening for me inside was I, I just kept having this sense of like this is not me this is not my life this is a dream this is a nightmare like this is gonna go away soon like I you know I it just didn't seem like me. And anyway, 
I was laying on the couch one day. I was sleeping. I slept a lot. Somebody mentioned that to me. They said, yeah, you were really sleeping a lot. And I didn't, I didn't really remember that I slept a lot. Apparently I did. So I had this moment where I was sleeping and I don't know if you've ever experienced this. <laughs> My words are jumbled. I don't know if you've ever experienced this feeling of being in twilight, which is like you're kind of asleep, not quite. Like it's it's like an in-between sleep and being awake. And so I've had a lot of experience with this twilight feeling. That's what I call it. I don't even know what it's really called. Medi whatever term people want to use. I had this experience of having the statement come to me just similar to what I had experienced in the bathroom was do you want to be healed and I would say to you that was the voice of God within me and you know before all of this and I'm going to dive into a lot of spirituality and religion with this podcast which you know it may turn off some people that's okay it's you know you get to choose what you want to hear or listen to or be a part of and I don't have any judgment on that anyway I I I have had the experience of believing that God was outside of me or it was like this being that I looked to in, in the heavens and that it wasn't really a part of me or inside of me or anything like that and I was very religious prior to all of this long time ago and would read my bible and I wasn't um I mean I didn't uh like I wasn't insane about it however I did read my bible every day and I did devotions and I do them now it's just different and I and I obviously we'll go into that a little bit more and Anyway, I had this voice come through me, inside of me, ask that question. I knew without question that was not my voice. It got my attention. And I, I would just say to you, I don't have, it wasn't like I contemplated an answer or went back and forth of like, yeah, do I want to be healed? No, don't. It, it just was a given. It, it was just a, yeah, it's yes. Obviously, I didn't even say it out loud. It was just a yes. And the next part of it was, you need to move. You need to move. Because sitting here or laying here and watching lots of TV, Netflix, and I was watching lots of bad things. I will be very transparent about that. Bad things meaning like, I mean, they're not bad, bad to, you know, bad to an extent. It's just what are your what you're putting into your system and i you know i've been a a true crime you could call it a true crime junkie or whatever i love true crime documentaries blah blah and they're not healthy to keep watching because you're it's a lower energy obviously it's it's very very not very negative to the mindset wasn't helpful wasn't helpful for me it wasn't helpful for my body and so I had that voice come to me, you need to move, you need to move. And I was, would be sitting next to my son, Jace, and I am, yeah, again, this, this podcast is dedicated to him because, ah, uh, he, he sat with me a lot 
he sat with me a lot when I was going through this experience of being very sick and um, was getting me things I needed and was, was very supportive in that, in that respect. And anyway, he had said to me, hey, mom, like, I want to, um, I got to go to the post, the mailbox. I've got to go to the mailbox and I'm expecting something and would love for you to come with me. And we're, I don't even know if he invited me. I, I might have just invited myself. I, I just said, oh, I want to go, I want to go too. And I said, could you be okay with going very slow? And we were in the dead of winter. It was November. No, it was probably just, well, yeah, I guess it was the end of November when I started doing it, maybe beginning of December. And he's like, oh, mom, it's okay. We'll take our time, that kind of thing. And so I started to do that. And I went without oxygen. And I just started to go little by little and very slow because I was a fall risk. If I fell and cut myself, that could be not a good story <laughs> later on. So I had to be really careful and I would walk. And I'm going to tell you that the mailbox is really not that far from my house. Maybe, gosh, I don't even want to estimate. It's not far. I will just put it to you that way. I could, I could walk there and back probably in a minute, like now. Back then, no. When I was sick, probably not. It took a little while. So we walked really slow and we would go to the mailbox every single day. It helped me so much, just that movement. And um, I realized that, you know, movement is incredibly important when you're sick. And stagnation is very hard on your body. And, and it is really important to move. And I know that uh, I had read a book a, a, about a woman that had, she had stage four cancer and she's been, she's been alive for like 30 years. And she had lots going on and lots of surgeries and different things like that. And she said that movement was something really important to her. Like she said, if she could just move her feet, she would move her feet back and forth. Something, you know, gotta do something instead of just laying there, not moving at all. I really do that. I really do believe that that was key for me. And, and it's not a like, oh my God, I got to get up and go do a bunch of things. That's what got me in trouble in the first place was a lot of doing and doing, doing, doing and running myself into the ground. That's a whole nother story. Anyway, movement, super important. So I started to get better and pretty soon um, I was talking to my aunt and I said, I just want to wean myself off of this oxygen. Like I'm having a hard time sleeping with it. Like it, it, <laughs> this is noisy. It's a, that oxygen tank thing is really loud. So, you know, the whole house can hear it. And I'm like, yeah, this is just not a, no, we're going to, we're going to wean ourselves off of this. I gave myself a goal, which was to go down, you know, get to a certain amount. And then I did that, I achieved that goal. So then I lowered it again. And then my aunt was really like, wow, you're doing really well. Like, this is amazing. You're walking around, you're up. Like I was moving around more, I was in the kitchen, making myself food. I didn't have to have somebody do it for me. Um, as that's what was happening before my aunt was, was really just taking care of me at every turn and going to the store constantly. and. I think she lives at Costco and Sam's. <laughs> she was always there. 
and um, you need anything from Sam's? I'm like, we just, we just went yesterday. However, so grateful for that and that she was there to nurse me back to health. And so I, within three days, I was off oxygen completely, 100% better. I have a, I had a um, oximeter so I could tell where my oxygen was at. And I was at, I, you know, I was, I went from 77 to 95. So I was a way better. Everything was going back up, right? My blood levels were really good. I went back into the doctor probably the lot, the, the next week. And I'm going to tell you visualization works because I was visualizing my platelets at a healthy level. I was visualizing my hemoglobin at a healthy level. And I was also visualizing army men going into my body and zapping out anything bad that was in my body. So I was doing all of that. I was praying. I was talking to God. I was, you know, I shut off the TV. Like I was in that space. And so thank God for Joe Dispenza, another person that really, I, it was something I could go back into my into my my memory and go, oh yeah, I remember, you know, Joe Dispenza healed himself from being paralyzed. Like this, this is incredible. You, your mind is so powerful. And so I started to go, well, if he could do it, I can do it. And if this woman, I, the story I read about this woman who had stage four and healed herself by moving and eating healthy, well, that means I could do it too. So I, have latched onto that and the power of miracle and the power that God has in our lives if we allow it. And so I was just doing remarkably better. And I remember having this moment of clarity around, do you want to be healed? And there is a story in the Bible about the pool of Bethesda. I didn't even know I was going to talk about this. However, we're going to do it. So again, I want to make this very clear. I am, I don't have a lot of, like I didn't study the Bible very hard and I didn't um, di dissect scriptures and stuff like that. I would, I would do what we would call soap journals. It's scripture, observation, application, and prayer. I would do that every single day. And that was helpful. However, it wasn't really, I wasn't dissecting passages in the Bible. And so that's why this is really remarkable for me to experience because things like God is saying things to me or spirit or the divine. I call God a lot of different things. Jesus as well. And I, I tell people I'm Jesus strong and I also love Buddha because I am not against learning new things and being open to new things. So I felt like I was led to this story again, and I had heard about it before, just briefly. I didn't actually read the story. So I dived into this story, and it blows my mind still to this day, what I learned from the story. So the Pool of Bethesda, and I, I'm gonna explain it because I don't know if everybody knows, and I wanna give you my take on it. And please, by all means, do your own dive into it as well. So the Pool of Bethesda was a place where they would put people that were, and I say they, it would be the villagers. <laughs> the villagers in the land put these people way out of the city because they were 
different. They were they were handicapped, and I don't even know if that's the politically correct word. However, we're not on a politically correct podcast, are we? I don't think so. Anyway, so they put the villagers, not the villagers, the villagers put the outcasts out to this pool, the pool of Bethesda, and it was because they just, they were different. They were paralyzed. They were maimed. They were, like, there was something going on with them that wasn't, you know, their idea of what of what you're supposed to look like. So they put them out there, and it's pretty far out from the city or the village. And this pool was outside. It wasn't indoors, and they had these huge canopies covering um, covering it because of the elements. So I could imagine it would be hot or cold. I don't know what the temperature was. Probably really, really hot. Well, the pool of Bethesda was actually next to what we what they called the sheepskate in the Bible. Now, for me, when I was thinking about the sheepskate, sheepskate, <laughs> sheepskate, I was like, wow, that is so interesting. Could you imagine being paralyzed at the pool of Bethesda waiting to be healed and you're hearing the sheep getting slaughtered next to you. That really just did something to my heart. And not only that, hearing the sounds of it and smelling the smells of it, I mean, I that just blew me out of the water and it really got into my soul. And Anyway, there was a man, a particular man at the Pool of Bethesda that had been there for 38 years. Now, the belief around the pool is that they were waiting, the people at the pool were waiting for the angel of God to touch the pool of water. And when the angel would come down, and I'm totally making motions with my hands. Anyway, the, the angel of God would come down to the pool and touch the water and it would have a ripple effect in the water. And so the idea was that if you were the first person there to touch the water, you would be healed of whatever was happening for you. So this man believed for 38 years that he had to be the first person to the pool to touch the pool of water to be healed. So... I, I just, you know, when I was reading this and, and imagining like 38 years doing, I think it's 38, 35, 38, doing the same thing over and over. Like, and he's, he can, he's not able to walk. So he's low crawling, dragging himself to this pool every single day, every single time there's a ripple. Well, he's not able to get there, obviously, because he's still paralyzed. So Jesus makes an effort to find this man. And like he seeks him out. He knows he's there. And so he, you know, he's, you know, Jesus is making his round of festivals during festival time. He gives up the festival to come find this man and goes to the pool of Bethesda and sees this man and goes up to him and says, do you want to be healed? And the man automatically goes into, well, he doesn't say yes. He goes into, well, I'm not able to get there and people are walking over me and, you know, like it's not fair kind of thing. And that actually reminds me of a victim 
response, like a victim mentality. Now I can understand why though, because goodness, like if you were there for 38 years doing that, you know, like you, you might be in that. And, you know, also the other thing that came to me with this passage was that I don't think that anybody in at the pool of Bethesda knew who Jesus was. And so Jesus was making an example out of this man like here I am I'm here to heal you and so everybody in the pool is going to know right everybody's going to see it and they're going to know that they don't have to wait for this ripple thing to happen or the angel of God to sit you know touch the pool and rush to it and I, I can imagine there's probably quite a bit of people at this pool anyway so Jesus doesn't even give him any time to answer he just heals him um, I mean the guy answers obviously and Jesus doesn't buy into the, any of that stuff <laughs> he's like well whatever dude we're still gonna heal you whether you like it or not and so the reason why I know that the man doesn't know who Jesus is is because he he's walking around you know because Jesus says pick up your mat and walk so he's walking around the walking around the village now with his mat and everyone's like wait what are you doing to go well this I don't know who this guy was that healed me so Jesus had to actually come back to him and say look I'm the one that did it so like just to let you know and so I shared this story because it really helped me so much like it's almost like a, a a foundation for me of healing where it's like wait a minute I could always go back to this like there are possibilities of miracles in if you know, and if he did it before, he can do it again, right? So, and, you know, when I say that God is God, the voice of God is within me, really it is, and the kingdom of God is, uh, the, the kingdom of heaven is within us. And so it's a, such a different place for me than I where I was before because, it, it, you know, God was mostly external for me. And not anymore. Now more, it's more like channeling him. And um, a lot of Christians may not believe in the channeling part. I, I don't know, and I don't want to put that put place that on people. However, I know that when I was a hardcore Christian, it was like you don't believe in angels or tarot cards or angel cards or Harry Potter books or. Um, anything like that that because that is like demonic I don't believe in that I don't believe that at all anymore so and I I think that my problem before was conforming into what everybody else was believing and what everybody else was telling me to believe and now I'm now I'm more in a place of like wait a minute like I'm gonna question you questions things it's not a judgment it's just like well wait a minute like what about this or what about that and you know like uh, you know God's unconditional love is so important and being called to love just like that and that's that's where I'm at with it so that's the pull of Bethesda that is the the second part of this and I wanted to leave you with one really cool thing that happened you know, I, I do believe that there has been a, a massive healing in my body and it continues to happen. 
And something somebody said to me, and I believe, and I'm, and I'm actually going to interview this person here in the future, which I'm so excited about. And she had said to me, you know, the difference between me and somebody having a sudden death experience is that I know what's happening. And since I get to have that gift of knowing what's happening, I get to choose something different, right? So somebody having like a major car accident out of nowhere, they don't know what's happening. Like they didn't get a chance to like do anything different, right? And so this is actually a beautiful gift, a beautiful gift. And again, being grateful for, I'm gonna close with this, being grateful for those things that you didn't want to have happen is key. And so I wanna end here now and thank you so much for listening in or watching or wherever, whatever your, whatever channel you're on. I'm on, Back to Life is on um, Amazon Music and, and Audible, it's on Spotify, it's on YouTube, and it's also, on iTunes just recently, which is super exciting. I don't even have an iPhone. I might need to get one now because since I'm on iTunes, I don't know. Anyway, you guys are all awesome. Have a great, great, great day.